If you're here and you're brand new to our church, we're going to open up the Bible. We believe that God still speaks. Really left me on the ledge there. Almost fell off. Um, he still speaks. Still heals. It's the reason why we're fired up today, man. A lot of weird people in this room if God's not real. <laughs> but he is. And I was thinking about reflecting on 18 years of marriage. Woke up the morning of our anniversary and just kind of sat there. We're in a hotel room, praise God. Come on, somebody. I just woke up there and I'm just thinking about, man, 18 years of God's faithfulness. And all the things that he's done in our marriage, and our family, the miracles, the church. Just I, lay, I laid there with like tears in my eyes just thinking, man, God, you've been so good. And um, you know, I just felt like these next four weeks, God wants to do something that's so, so incredible that you would want to sing with just celebration. Some of you looked around, these people like, why are they so weird? Like, why would you, why would you jump? Like, why are you lifting your hands, weirdo? If you've seen what we've seen, you're like, I, I, flip. It's incredible. Someone dropped a lottery check off of your house, you're not going to be like, lose your dang mind. God's better than a lottery check. So uh, I want to welcome you today to our church. I know some people don't believe in Jesus, and you're here hanging out with us, and you're like, this is good vibes, good energy. That's cool. You can call it what you like, but it's the Spirit of God. And we're going to jump in today. We believe that if someone gets up, boldly proclaims this book, that there's power in preaching it with faith. Some people don't get much out of the Bible because the Bible is like your TV. It doesn't work until it's plugged in. And the electricity of the Word of God is belief. Paul tells the Corinthians that you didn't mix what you heard with faith. So it didn't profit you very much. You can get a good Bible study, but you don't get a life-changing encounter because it's faith that turns the screen on. I know atheists that speak Hebrew and know Greek, but they don't, they don't know him and they don't know God. Because you can know Greek and Hebrew and, not, and miss God altogether. Because there's something about faith, belief, that activates the words of God. I've read the Bible, preacher. Why would I read it again? Because your life doesn't, the, the Bible doesn't change, but your life does. So when you read Bible scriptures about storms when you're in a peaceful times, it doesn't mean much to you. But when you read Bible stories about storms when you're in one, it, you get a whole lot out of it. There's a logos word, which is the, the written, the logos. It's the, it doesn't change. It's the written, uh, infallible, plenary verbal is what scholars call it. The articulation of God's words, even on the selection of words, doesn't change. But there is a rhema word. And the rhema word is when you're reading the Bible and you're like, this thing is reading me. And what will happen inevitably is either this world will change your view of the Bible or the Bible will change your view of this and there's only two narratives, ladies and gentlemen. It's either God created us and he makes the rules. Or we created God and we make the rules. The battle of America is over this ideology right now. Y'all feel like preaching a little bit today? I'll take an amen. I'll take a head nod. Come on. Eyebrow raise. Deep breath. Act 6, where we're going. I want to talk about disciples today. I think that one of the greatest solutions God has for a broken world is disciples. He says, the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love. He says that when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find people that are believing me at my word? Before he says, go wait in Jerusalem, he said, go, and I'm commissioning you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. The word nations doesn't just mean physical people groups. It actually means clusters of groups. 
It would be the same word used in the Greek language to say, go and make disciples of all school boards. Go make disciples of all pilots. Go make disciples of all lawyers. Does that make sense? It's not just national identity. It's clusters of groupings. So when God says go and make disciples of all nations, he's saying go out and reach everyone. And so God's solution for a broken world. Some people say, what's the, what's the mission's purpose? What's the mission statement of the church? No, no. God's church doesn't have a mission statement. God's mission statement is the church. And God sends the church into the highways, into the byways to compel humanity to say there is a God in heaven. There is a God who heals, saves, delivers, restores. That's worthy of your full surrender. Can I get an amen? So today I want to jump in week one. And I want to uh, talk to you on the subject matter, places, everyone. I was praying this week. I asked the Lord sometimes for cute title names, just so everyone remembers them. And you don't. I don't either. It's okay. I don't get mad at you. But he, I heard him say this as I was praying. Acts 6 is an interesting passage because you have apostles, you have deacons, you have skeptics, you have, you have bitter church people, you have some church hurt people in the room, which are like, man, I wish I had the ability to still have church hurt. You sign up for ministry, you can't have church hurt anymore. I lost my right to be offended about 20 years ago. I'm envious of some of you guys. You still can get offended. I can't do that anymore. But I would say, you know, it's an interesting passage because you have, you have upset people, you have healthy people, you have leader people, you have on-staff people, all types of people. And I love the story because two times it mentions in the very beginning of Acts chapter 6 that the vital church is multiplying. And at the end of it, it says the word of God spread and the disciples Good guess. Yeah, multiplied. Yeah, it's the title of the message that we're talking about, multiplying. So I thought you were with me a little bit closer than that, but <laughs> apparently a little bit too much space there. So let me slow down a little bit for you. Um, so we want to make sure that we, uh, we, we understand this today, that there's something powerful that happens when all of us get in the right place. So I was praying, and I heard the Lord say, tell the church that multiplication happens when everybody gets in the rightful place. And I heard the director at your school theater saying, places, everyone. That's what it sounded like when I was praying. Went better in my head, but Acts 6, you ready to go today? All right, so uh, places, everyone. So Acts 6, it says, now in, the, in those days, in those days, this is after Acts 2, there's, uh, I want you to know this is crazy because the church goes from 120, from poor to rich, from crazy backgrounds to religious backgrounds, from formerly demon-possessed prostitutes to civic leaders like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea in the upper room. 120 get filled with the Holy Spirit. They hit the streets. 3,000 get baptized on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 get radically converted. They start getting discipled. Guy gets healed at this gate called Beautiful. The crowd swells to 5,000, then 10,000. And pretty soon what happened was is 120, 120 people would go on to impact over 4.5 million people. It was one Christian for every 30,000 non-Christians in Palestine. She's like, Mark, there's some bad ratios in California. Not very many Christians in California anymore. It's way better mathematical odds than the early church faced. You know what Josephus said about the early church? They said wherever Christianity was preached fearlessly, it became the moral antiseptic of civilizations. The morality levels would rise. Crime levels would drop. Immorality levels would drop. Drunkenness would drop. No one preached rules. Where Jesus showed up, the Holy Spirit will make you. He'll make you holy. 
and um, I want to talk a little bit today about being a disciple. You ready to go? Acts 6, down those days, the number of disciples was, was multiplying, was multiplying. There arose a complaint. Uh-oh, there's some complainers in the church against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. These are both Jews. The Hellenists were, uh, they were Jews that were impacted more so by the Greek system, more the Roman Empire culture. And the, and the Hebrews were those that were actually from uh, Judea that were impacted more by Jewish traditions. So they both are Jewish but come from different sectors. And because of their differences culturally, basically to make it very overly simplified, the Hellenists accused the, 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 the Hebrews of being holier than thou traditionally. And the Hebrews uh, accused the Hellenists of being kind of uh, cultural compromisers. It's kind of similar dynamics in some regards in the church world today. And so these two people are a little bit at odds and so the sa Satan will always come in and try to get us to fight over what we disagree on. And if you're looking for a church that you agree with every single thing that comes out of the preacher's mouth or the worship leader's mouth, you will probably won't find that church until you're leading it. And even then you're like, I don't know if I still believe that. I don't know. <laughs> One of my mentors, he said, he's like in his 60s, he's like, I go back to the 30-year-old version of myself and say, some of the stuff you're not going to be so strong on in 30 years. <laughs> so, at any rate, we sometimes in the American church will fight over the goofiest things. Where's this guy's socks, you know? I'm leaving the church. This guy doesn't have socks on today. I do, but my eyes are up here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And people get upset. We didn't sing this song. We didn't do this. Why is there no offering baskets being passed? Like, people get offended over weird stuff. And we know this, that there's disagreement going on. There's a problem. Say with me, there's a problem. So what happens is during the problem is that they say, look, there's widows in the Hellenists that are not getting their food distributed to them daily. There was a lot of widows in Jerusalem. It was more, uh, it was more prestigious to die in Jerusalem than it was to die outside of Jerusalem. So a lot of the elderly would disproportionately move into the city, and that's why the ratio of dealing with widows was a lot higher than the, in the suburbs. And so there's, there's widows being neglected. It wasn't intentional, but what the devil will do is he'll make you to get offended over something that was accidental. Has anyone ever lived long enough that you got offended over something that was not intentional? So they're offended. They didn't give us food today because they did it on purpose. And so they got upset. There was a dispute. And, and so the, the 12 apostles summoned the multitude and they said, look, it's not desirable for us to leave the word of God to serve tables. I don't believe this was an elitism statement. This is like I'm, not, I'm too holy and too sanctified to serve. I think it was they realized the greatest bang for the buck in the church was when church leaders knew the power of God because they were spending time with God. I'm going to give you an idea of this. Like if, if, if I could do a surgery that no one else in this city could do and I was busy doing paperwork and people were dying outside of my office, who would say that's a bad use of your talent? This was the, the apostles go, look, if we're serving tables when people are dying because we're not interceding and we're not giving ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God, we are not being good stewards of our talents. Talk more about that next week. And so he goes on, he says this, well, this is what we should need to do. We need to do this. Seek out among you. Here's if you want to be used by God. He says this, seven men, same qualification today. You want to be used by God in a great way? Here's what he says. Find seven men that have, number one, a good reputation. Some of you want to be used by God, but you're cheating people at work. You're not going to be used mightily in the house of God if you're ripping people off outside of the house of God. Make sure they have, someone say, a good rep. 
not only do they have a good reputation, they be full, not, not listen, not, not like, uh, yeah, I like, I heard of the Holy Scripture or Holy Spirit. He said, no, 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 make sure they're full of the Holy Spirit. There's a real devil, so you need, the, you need the real Holy Spirit. Make sure they're full of the Holy Spirit. Also, make sure they're full of wisdom. It's hard. I'll be honest. I'm a pastor of a church. I know it's hard to find people that have both. So a lot of times you'll find people that are full of wisdom. They know structures, strategy, practical applications, but they have no spiritual mind. They pray about nothing. Or there's people that pray about everything, but you can't have a normal conversation with them. They're karate chopping things in prayer, saying Father God every two words. You ever met a Father Godder? My grandma used to say that people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Can't have a normal conversation with somebody. So he says, find people that are practical in their wisdom, but also full of the Spirit of God. Can I give you a disclaimer? Here at Ocean's Church, we believe there is a deep end, and the Spirit of God will take you deep. But there is a shallow end that's full of wisdom. And great churches have power and they have wisdom. Not so powerful they're weird, and not so wise there's no power. Amen? Who's looking for a church like that? Welcome home. Welcome home. So he goes on. He says, all right, so this is what we've got to do. Find seven men. We'll put them over this business. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer. This is our apostles. The apostles, we're going to give ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased everybody. That's, that's, that's a big feat. Pleased everybody. And they chose Stephen, a man full. How, what was he? He was what? He was full of faith. He was also full of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, all these fun names to pronounce. The proselyte from Antioch. These all, all by the way, they all had Greek names, so they were Hellenist. So the Hellenists actually, the, the Hebrews provided Hellenists to, so, to solve the problems that they were in, encountering. And so it says that they, they laid hands on these people. They prayed for them. They laid hands and they prayed for them. The apostles did. I want you to know there is a power when spiritual leaders lay hands. That's why at the end of every service we lay hands on the sick. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they will. They'll recover. It says that Abraham laid his hands on his son and he blessed him. That, that Isaac laid his hands on Jacob and he blessed him. And, and Israel laid his hands on his 12 sons and he Hands have the power to transmit blessing. Paul said to Timothy, I remind you, son, stir up the gift that you received when I laid my hands on you. So they laid hands on these leaders. These guys weren't deacons, bishops, pastors. They were normal business people. Stephen worked at Red Robin. He was a server at the Dirty Bird. Come on, issuing those bottomless french fries. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen from somebody? And so they said, look, you're in charge. We prayed for them. They gave them authority. They laid hands. And this is what it says when they did this. Everyone got in the right place then. When? It's interesting how when everybody gets in the right place, then the word of God spread. And the numbers of disciples in Orange County, all over the world, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. They said there's over 6,000 priests in that time, in that window. So this is, a, this is a very, very powerful passage of Scripture because everyone got in the right place. You ready? Let's pray today. Lord, we just love you so much. We thank you that there's power when we get where you want us to be. Holy Spirit, would you meet us here today in a significant way? We invite you to have your way. In Jesus' name, and God's people said,
I, uh, I think that oftentimes we, we don't realize that a lot of our calling in life is connected to being in the right place. You ever heard it said being in the right place at the wrong time? It's still the wrong thing. I've met many people that are frustrated. My grandma used to always say she was a missionary for 65 years. We used to talk on the phone all the time. She'd be watching TBN for seven days straight. Hyped up on messages from TBN. She had a captive audience when I call her. And she would always just tell me, she goes, Mark, there's a lot of miserable businessmen because they're called to preach. She said, there's a lot of miserable pastors that are called to be businessmen. And she used to talk a lot about this. She's like, there's farmers that should be preaching and there's preachings that should be farming. And I think that many times in life, we don't realize that, that God has a plan for all of us. And I was thinking about this idea as we're talking about multiplying. I want you to write this down. This big idea for this series is everything that God creates multiplies. Everything. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, the origins. Every plant seeds inside of themselves that will reproduce after their kind. Hey, first humans, Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful, and I need you to... I need you to multiply, subdue the earth, fill the earth. Abraham, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. He goes on to Isaac, to Jacob. He goes down the roster, and he begins to tell these men over and over again, I want to multiply. Say it with multiply. I want you to know that God multiplies the devil divides. I don't think it's coincidental. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory that some of the elites of the world, they want to depopulate the earth. Why would you want to depopulate a planet that probably can house about a thousand times more than its current population? I'll tell you why. It's a satanic agenda that is going against Genesis chapter 1 that God wants us to be fruitful and to... It's okay to clap. You give me a nervous hand clap. It's all right. We'll honor God today. We'll take him at his word. Is that all right? God knows that he made us to multiply. Everything God touches multiplies. That's why God is not into abortion. God, it actually, it inhibits God's ability to reproduce. God's not into homosexuality because it, it prohibits the ability to reproduce. Everything God touches, that's what he's into. He's a, he's a multiplication God. I'm going to talk next week about the talents. God gave five talents, two talents, one talent. He defined faithfulness as multiplication. He said, you were faithful with five, here's five more. What are you saying faithful? What do you mean faithful? He, he said, you took five and you made five more out of it. You doubled what you had. You were just faithful, you multiplied. God is a God that multiplies. You got to get this in your soul today. Most people never multiply because they never plant themselves in the right place. They're never in the right soil, with the right seeds, in the right atmosphere, with the right people. I'm going to get into this today. Are you with me? I actually believe, this is my God-given conviction, that every single person in this room is called to bear fruit somewhere great. You're a stay-at-home mom. You better be raising up some Billy Grahams. You're a, you're, a, you're a school teacher. You're a mailman. My dad's a mailman. My dad is probably the most loved mailman in the state of Idaho. How do you know that? Because he's been on the news three times. That is a true story. The local news did stories on the happiest mailman. It's a true story. He calls them drive-by blessings. He would write scripture notes, put them in their mailboxes. 
my dad loves being a mailman. He, he's, got, he's got treats for the dogs and treats for the kids. He knows their names. My dad's like the rain man. He knows he's got 900,000 people on his route. He could bump into you at a grocery store and be like, oh, you're Earl McMillan, 1114-25 Santa Ana Avenue. I'm like, Dustin Hoffman? The rain man? But when God calls you to do something, there's a grace to do it with multiplication. And I, I, it, it burdens me. It bothers me. It hurts my heart when people are surviving through life. We got people in America taking their lives and people trying to get into our country because of the freedom and opportunities that we have here. I don't like America. You've never been anywhere else. We're the only nation people are lining up to try to get into our nation. We're the only ones. No one's, no one's risking life and limb to get into other nations. They want to live where we're at. But our government's trying to teach us to hate our own nation. Why would you do that? I'm getting too political. I better stop. Like I guess making some of you nervous today. You can't talk like that, dude. People leave your church. Well, other people come into it. People are looking for someone to tell the truth, man. People are hungry. They're tired of everybody lying to them all the time, saying you got to be quiet about your love for God and your love for the church and your love for your state and your nation. Got to be quiet with that stuff. I promise you, man. All my friends that are bold, their churches are blowing up. All the ones hanging the woke flags outside their buildings, those are the ones that are going out of business. God does not warranty stuff that's not his promise. Going to get quiet up in here today. I suspect people actually want to get free. Problem is, is popularity is killing more people than persecution is. We, we, we so desperately want to be popular that we won't tell people the truth. Truth is, God wants you to multiply. And when you're in bondage, listen to me, when people preach about sin, you're either going to hate the gospel or you're going to hate the preacher. Bible says in the last days they'll lay up teachers for themselves that will tell them what they want to hear and tickle their ears. Does anybody say that's like a funny, like, Paul, couldn't you think of like tickle the feet maybe? Like, who tickles ears? Some weird fetishes back in the day, right? You ever contextualize this? Like, come here. Tickle those ears. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you that actually you were made for more than just working 30 or 40 years, retiring, playing golf the rest of your life, having a couple kids, living in some house, going on some trips. God made you to impact eternity. You can spend your life any way you want to spend it, but you can only spend it one time. And there will be a point that you will give an account of what you did with your time on this earth. And there's a lot of sheep. I'm going to be very honest. I'll be bold today. There's going to be people that are going to be embarrassed on that day of how much they did not think about eternity. How much they did not think about giving their life to actually do something for the call of God. Looking back, talking about I spent a million dollars on that and a hundred thousand on that and two hundred thousand dollars on that. And I gave 20 bucks to the church. Never invited a neighbor to church. Never shared my faith. I'm like, are you serious? And I just, I had this revelation. We're going to one day, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, one day we're going to tell our story in front of all of heaven of what we did with our lives. And some of us, it's going to be like your proposal stories. You're not going to want to tell anybody. I like, I, I proposed to her with a Cracker Jack box ring 
between McDonald's, the ordering window, and, the, and getting the burger. And it wasn't special. We lived, we lived together for like six years before we got married. There was no honey left in the moon. Victoria has no secrets. And uh, it was easy to get into the marriage. It was easy to get out of the marriage. I dated everything that had laid. I feel like preaching today a little bit, man. I'm sorry. I just, I, I just, I feel like people are so hungry to get free. And we're like, I don't like my life, my marriage, my business, my job. What do I, why am I so frustrated? It's because you've never really tried doing it God's way all the way. Well, I go to church. Well, so did Judas. Do you know what Judas called Jesus? He called him rabbi. You know what Judas never called Jesus? Lord. And there's a lot of Christians in America that call Jesus teacher. Teach me, Jesus. Teach me, Jesus. But they won't surrender every square foot of their life. Does he own your house? Does he own your spouse? Does he own your kids? Do you know that you can make an idol out of anything that God has given you? Whenever you say things like this, I will never be happy until I get, you can make an idol out of a baby. You can make an idol out of marriage. Are you hearing me today? The only thing that we should be desperate to live, not, to not live without is the presence of God. He's the only one that's worthy. Are you hearing me today? I'm not, this might be too strong for the podcast, but I just, uh, Acts 6, there's a dispute. And what I've learned is disciples rise out of the soil of problems. You want to be a real disciple? Listen to me. You want to find real Christians? Go to a persecuted nation. They're legit. They don't have, they don't have Hillsong's band. They don't have, they don't have Bethel's uh, live stream worship. They got like, like a hut in like uh, a wood, wood, uh, wood ceiling and metal walls, and it's 120 degrees. I've been in Swahili church services in Africa that people walk like 12 miles barefoot. Cruising to church, and they're all in. It's 140 degrees. 300% humidity, like dogs are dying outside, it's just, it's hot. And they're walking in it, coming to church, they're all in. All in. And it was crazy, they have this, this passion, this tenacity, this fire, and blind eyes are opening. Deaf ears are opening. And there's this, there's, there's problems, but there's a hunger I see their kids, they have nothing. They're kicking, they're kicking literally like branches off of a tree that they've, they've made a ball out of. They just wrap the branch over and over and over again, and they're using it as like a soccer ball. And these kids have nothing, and none of their kids are on antidepressants. None of their kids are committing suicide. They said suicide, I remember one of the pastors said, suicide is a luxury of the prosperous. We, 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 we go through problems, and what God wants to do in problems is he wants to cause us to come into the prayer room and say, God, we have a problem right now in our church. The devil's trying to divide. Listen to me. If you're ever having a report on your lips that divides a family, divides a business, divides a marriage, divides a church, you don't have God's report on your lips. Remember this. God multiplies. God unites. Actually, nowhere in Scripture does it say to manufacture unity. It says to guard it. Our job is to guard unity, not to create it. That means that things are in order when God's here until we get our mouth out of alignment with it. Are you hearing me today? So we got this idea that God, there's a problem, and God raises up his greatest disciples, usually in turmoil. 
He uses the oppositions to Abraham. It was, it was, it was the problem in Egypt that made him rich. It was, it was the headwinds of Goliath that made David famous. It was, it was, it was the crazy military feat of Gideon that made him who he was. It was, you go down the, it was Esther going before the king and in the face of genocide. It was the headwinds of problems that made the most memorable disciples on the earth. And I think that you and I are stewarding this window of crazy history in one of the craziest states, in one of the most blessed nations in our time period, because you and I are supposed to rise in this window of problems. We rise. We rise. The winds of adversity, like a plane, cause us to take off. But we don't usually rise because when we face problems, we complain about them. We talk to God about our problems, but we don't invite God into them. It's easy to complain. Dude, there was, there was a whole generation that spent 40 years talking about, man, if only we would have been back in Egypt. If only, if only I had, if I could just keep going to the club and I could just go back to my old lifestyle and keep, 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 keep just complaining. They spent 40 decades on a 12-day trip because all they did was talk about their problems. They didn't invite God to get them out of them. I believe that God is raising up disciples that, number one, will invite God into their problems. Do you know what happens when you invite God into your problems? Write this down. I have a problem right now, Mark. I have a financial problem, a vocational problem, a ministry problem. I have an issue with this, that, or the other. First thing we do is we, number one, say it with me, invite God into your problems. When we invite God into our problems, number two is God begins to give us solutions. Do you know what God does? He's a strategic God. Say it with me, strategy. We think that we get strategy from TED Talks. We don't get strategy from TED Talks. I wish I had the confidence of a 25-year-old life coach. Come on, somebody. I wish I could take a four-week course to be an expert in something. Listen to me. You get, you get wisdom from God. Do you know in Italy, they say it takes 40 years of 12 to 13-hour days to become a mastro in the area of blowing glass. 40 years. They say you have to do it for 40 years. You have to fail for 40 years before they would consider you a master. In America, you take a, you take a three-week challenge online and you're an expert. You know what God wants to do is he wants to give you a strategy from heaven. You know what strategies are? It's, it's like when you face bitter water and you're like, God, we're dehydrated. What do we do? And he says, throw the log in the water. It's a strategy from heaven. It's like when you're trying to get, get into a city that you can't reach. And God says, walk around the city seven days. On the seventh day, shout. The first seven days, shut up. Why did God tell them to shut up the first seven days? Because they probably would have talked themselves out of it. We're never going to get in this city. Why Moses? Why Joshua got out here walking around this dumb wall? It's big. People are strong. God said, tell them to be quiet for seven days. I think he told them to be quiet for seven days because, number one, they would have talked themselves out of it. And God even wanted the wicked people to have seven days to change their mind. You think about that a little bit later. God put no limit on how many red ribbons he would have saved. If that city would have put red ribbons out of every window in Jericho, the entire city would have been saved. Are you hearing me today? God is a God of mercy and he's a God of strategy. Can I get one good amen? Like, like we're thirsty. Strike the rock, okay? I need food. Ask the widow for her last meal. I have leprosy. Go in the dirty river and dip seven times. I need to feed 25,000 people. We got a KFC. 
Long John Silver number four extra rolls. We got five loaves, two fish. I got a strategy from heaven. We got to fight this giant military. Send out the choir, he says. Well, we got a blind guy here. You better have a word from God. You make mud, put it in someone's eyes. That's a lawsuit, ladies and gentlemen. But it was a strategy from heaven. You got IRS issues you call filibatory. Or, I'm kidding, that's a shameless plug. Uh, no, he says, go catch the first fish. When you get it out of the water, it has gold in its mouth. Pay for you, pay for me. That's a heavenly strategy. You want to be ten times wiser? Don't eat what the king is serving. Stop eating Babylon's diet and expect it to look like a Christian. It was a heavenly strategy. You know what we all face right now? I want to be very honest. Let's level the playing field. We all face problems. Rich people, poor people. Black people, white people. Doesn't matter. All face problems. But you know where disciples grow out of? The soil of problems that we bring to God in prayer. Problem is, when we come to God in prayer, we have to come in faith. You know why most of us don't come in faith? I use this analogy, and I'm sorry, it's got off my honeymoon or my anniversary trip, so forgive me. But you, you want romance with God without any faith before you pray. Here's what I encourage you to do. Before you pray, try to pray a big prayer, build up your faith. There's two ways in Scripture that's very clear how we build our faith. Number one, faith comes by Hearing comes by. Do you know the problem in the American world is we, we, we teach kids, when they learn how to read, to read out. But when they get older, they start reading, we're like, shh, stop reading out loud. And we carry the silent reading the rest of our adult life. So we read the Bible, but we don't read it. There's, I promise you, there's something that happens. You get in your room, shut the door, read that thing out loud. It'll read it for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I dare you. Read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Read a chapter or two of Psalms, Proverbs. And then after you've read it, then begin to pray. You know what that's like? It's like, it's like buying your wife flowers. It's like giving her a foot massage and saying, let's be romantic. Come on, somebody. Preaching good up here. You know what we do in the American church is we want romance in our faith with no faith when we come into the presence of God. We don't do anything that touches the heart of God before we ask him to bless us. So we come into the presence of God going, I have a problem, but you are the solution. And what I've learned is the solution for most of our problems, they go, they're not getting food distributed to them. There's this rivalry between these two people groups. Select, okay, here's the God solution, seven men. One guy for every day of the week. Let these guys distribute the food. And what I've learned is that the solution that God usually provides for every problem, write this down, it's people. Do you know what I've learned? The true riches of the earth, it's not found in a bank vault. The riches of the earth are human beings. I would actually argue and say that it's not your net worth, it's your network. It's the people that God has put around you. It bothers me that there's a billionaire sitting here that has a terrible marriage, and there's a, a, a broke guy here that has a great marriage, and if this guy would help him and he would help them, we would be better. But everyone's too proud to put our guard down and go, you know what? 
I stink in this area. Would you help me? You're great in that area. Can I learn from you? You can learn from anybody that's strong in that area. Most people become foolish because we get advice from people that don't succeed in that area. Don't get marriage advice from your friend that's been married 40 times. Don't get financial advice from your broke relatives. The Bible says you'll know a tree by its find good fruit. And solutions, when we pray, we go, God, what do I do? And he goes, look, there's seven guys. We've identified them. Empower them, anoint them, pray for them. You'd be amazed at what your employees would do if you would pray for them. You'd be amazed what your family would do if you began to pray for them. You'd be shocked at what your kids would become if you would just starts praying for these people. And it's, it's wild. Is the people, the solution was let's get these people and let's put them in the right place. So they, they sent them in. This, this was the instructions. We need Stephen and his crew to serve tables. You know what I learned? This is interesting. This is a very unglamorous title position. Your job is to be a server. Okay, that's your job. That's, that's, this is it. You're serving. But even though they were called to do something very common, uncommon things start breaking out. Acts 6 says, and they started doing signs, wonders, miracles. Stephen would preach so good, no one could refute his wisdom. Because if you'll do small things big for God, God will do big things like they're small. God will honor you if you'll honor him. God will turn your mail job, your teaching job, your law office. Are you hearing me today? God will do miracles in the ordinary. I feel like preaching. I wish I get an amen up in this church. God will do miracles in it. God will create this entrepreneurship, this idea, strategies from heaven will begin to flow. And God will give you people, these, these kingdom collaborations. And I was praying. I heard the Lord say this. He goes, Mark, tell, tell them that they had people, that Stephen and this crew, they start, they start getting in the right places. And when everybody, places, please. Places, 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 places. If, if the church leaders will give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Acts 9, verse 31, it says, and they, they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and peace and the fear of the Lord. When the church fears the cultural traditions more than God, we will drift into compromise. I think one of the reasons why we don't have what we could have today is because at some point we started caring more about what people thought about us than God does. God wants us to fear God. Amen. So there's seven men. They put them in the right places. And here's what we know. Disciples are those that bring problems, go into prayer, get solutions. When they get solutions, God connects them to people. When they get connected to the right people, they start getting in the right places. I believe that when you do what God made you to do, two things will happen. There will be a satisfaction and there will be a fruitfulness. Some of you hate your job, and I think that maybe you're not doing what God made you to do. I believe that every one of us is called by God to multiply something. I, I've counseled pastor's kids. They hate the church. I don't believe in God. My parents were pastors, and they were poor, and, and they went through hell, and, and they, they slander God. And I think maybe mom and dad weren't called to be pastors. Maybe you're judging God on a false pretense. That they signed up for something that God did not ask them to do. And maybe you hate your dad because he was in business and he 
became successful in business, but you, ha- you grew up in a mansion, but you never saw your dad, and your dad lost your family, your mom, and all of you guys. And maybe you're mad at God because God made him successful in business, but maybe he was called to pastor a church. We judge, are you hearing me today, sometimes out of a false pretense. And so I want to wrap this up. I'm almost finished. The band came up here. Is there's people, there's places, and in discipleship, it, it really, it's rooted. It says, and the word of God spread. And when the word of God spreads, the number of disciples multiply. I, this is what I want to hear very, very clearly today. The, the church in Orange County is going to experience multiplication as there is a resurgence and a love and a value for the word of God again. Every move of God, there was a resurgence of loving the Bible. And when you love the Bible, you'll love to pray again. And when you love to pray, you'll start to worship. Like, I don't like worship. It's because you don't pray. Why don't you pray? Because you don't read your Bible. If your prayer life sucks, probably your Bible reading life sucks. They're cousins. Is it okay to be this honest in church? I just feel like I'm shocking some of you today. Like, never heard someone just be so transparent before. If you don't read your Bible, you're not going to want to pray. Do you know that your energy will always flow to where your focus is? Some of you have no energy because you have no focus. We're actually entertaining ourselves to death. It's wild. I don't know. Just thinking about all these thoughts. I'm going to wrap this up. Matthew 13. Can I, can I give you one last thought? Matthew 13, it's the scripture, it's a parable. You know what a parable is? A parable, for all those that are new at church, a parable is when God talks about something that everyone understands to explain something that everybody wonders about. He would use something that everyone knew to explain something that nobody knew. And he said, you know what the kingdom of God is like? It's like a sower that went out into a field and sowed seed. He says, some seed, he explains the seed is the word of God. Disciples, you want to be a real disciple? Disciples, not just what you believe. You can be a fan of Jesus and go to heaven. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to actually surrender everything. Salvation's free. Discipleship will cost you everything. We have a lot of Christians in America, but we don't have a lot of disciples. Disciples is when we shift gears out of just, I'll do it because it's comfortable. I'll do it because I get something out of it. Can you imagine getting married with those precepts in mind? I'll marry you if I get something out of it. I'll marry you if it's just good for me the rest of my life. What about the whole for better or for? Where are the disciples that say whether it's good or bad? Whether I have plenty or I'm lacking. Whether I'm abased or I'm abounding. Whether I'm full or whether I'm empty. I've learned in every place that I'm going to honor God. Live content. For godliness with contentment is great gain. People don't realize that God says the sower went out to sow. Some fell by the wayside, some fell on stony ground, some fell among thorns, and some fell on good soil. Say with me, good soil. It's very clear today. I want to be very honest with you. I think the greatest thing on the earth that's probably the most underestimated thing on the earth is soil. We value gold, silver, and Rihanna's diamonds. We value it. We, we brag about it. I'm not, I'm not against that stuff. I would just tell you that I think, it, I think soil is underestimated. Here's what's interesting is he says the wayside, some of you today, you're not going to multiply because the seed falls into you, but you don't understand the Bible, and you won't discipline your heart and your mind enough to keep reading it until you get understanding. 
He says that you hear the word of God and you're like, you like it, but you don't understand it. He says demons or darkness or birds will come and pull out the seed of God's word from your heart. You won't produce any, any fruit. There's other people that right away it lands and you're pumped. Love this church, man. But the moment persecution arises and you're like, wait, wait, wait. Well, you said something that's kind of controversial, Mark. I don't know if I want to come back to this church. Shallow soil. Shallow soil. Persecution arises because of the church. Wait, your church is the one that believes that there's still just two genders? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, the fact checkers said that that's not true. Well, fact checkers think that guy can, guys can nurse babies. I just, I don't believe those people. I, uh, there's thorns. Thorns are people that are so consumed with getting rich and getting famous that they would rather make God an elective credit than the main course. And I've, I've met a lot of these people, man. They, they love the kingdom, but they're not committed to a church. They're all about, like, I just want to make money. I just, I want to make, I just want to, I want to have everything materially. That's, I'm not against material things. I don't think God's against abundance, but he's against abundance owning us. God doesn't care if you're blessed. He cares if you're consumed with being blessed. And if the house owns you and the car owns you and the furniture owns you and the, the jewelry owns you, then it's not a good thing. God's okay with us having stuff. He's not okay with the stuff owning us. Does that make sense today? Number, number four, he says there's good ground. Someone say good soil. I'll wrap this up. He says the good soil produces 160 and 30-fold. Say it with me one more time, soil. You know what soil is? That's a fancy word for dirt. <laughs> dirt. I often thought, God, out of all the things you could have made a humanity out of, why would you make us out of dirt? It's interesting, right? God could have made us out of diamonds or gold or silver, copper, brass. God makes humanity. He says he formed us out of the dust of the earth. You know what's interesting about dust, though? Dust is dirt, and dirt is soil, and soil and dirt and dust are the only things on the earth that have the power to cultivate a seed. You can't grow a seed in silver. Can't grow a tree in gold. Can't grow an orange grove in diamonds. The only thing that has the power to germinate a seed is the soil. Some of you, you're like, Mark, I don't see any multiplication. And I'll tell you what it is, is it's the condition of the soil of your heart. You're sitting here today looking at what's wrong in this room. You're sitting here today looking at what you don't agree with, what you are offended about. And your soil is so full of doubt and criticism and jadedness, church wounds, whatever it is, that you're missing out on having, having good soil. In the world of antiquity, a lot of times they would sow seeds. They'd open a bag of seed, and they would go through the field before they even to they, before they even uh, toiled. Is that what it's called? Till. There it is. Yeah, toil, toil, till. It's all the same. Before they did that. And because of that, some seed fell by the wayside, some seed fell by the rocks, and some seed fell in thorny ground. But the good seed fell on good soil and produced 30, 60, 100-fold. Can I ask you a very honest question today? Did the seed change? Was it a different seed? Then why in the world 
Why did Jesus say some will get a hundred return? Some will get a 60-fold return. And others, 20. Why was the return different? I would argue and say it wasn't the seed that was different. It was the quality of the soil of our hearts. The soil of your heart will determine the fruitfulness of God's seeds. If you're offended, thorns. Greedy for money, thorns. Just, just, just want to be in this for blessing, you're, you're in shallow soil. Or you don't read this Bible enough to understand it. I'm telling you that the enemy's going to come and try to pull out a love for God. we got to be spiritually minded and naturally spiritual and spiritually natural. Can I get an amen? And I believe that we all get in a rightful place. He says, and the word of God, what happened then? The word of God began to spread. How does it spread? It's when everybody's reading it, they're understanding it, and here's what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. When you read this book, this book occasionally is going to offend you. You have two options when this book offends you. You can change this book, which they're trying to do right now. We have a generation that's trying to edit this book. You can edit this book to fit your opinions. Or you can edit your opinions to accommodate this book. Those are two options we have. And again, if God created man, he makes the rules. But if man created God, man creates the rules. And this is the battle that's going on in the world right now. What ideology are we going to live under? Man created God or God created man? Here's the beautiful thing, though. When man creates something, he has the power to name it. He has the power to describe what the function of it is. I don't get to rename the bass guitar because I didn't create it. I can't call the bass a piano. I can't call the piano a guitar. I can't call the guitar a speaker. I can't call the speaker turf. I didn't create it. And listen to me. When God creates it, he names it. Don't ever let someone that doesn't love you name you. Don't ever let somebody that doesn't love, create, know you declare your true identity. Rightful place. And what happens when disciples go, God, we're in problem times, but you have the solutions. Is there anybody in Orange County believe God knows all the answers to all of our problems? Who would raise their hand and say, I think God knows everything that I'm going through. He's got a solution for it. Who would be bold enough to say, I think if I would spend time with God, he would start telling me some of those solutions. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. And I think that if we'll do that, we'll be, God will provide the people. God will get you in the right place. I feel like some of you, there's someone that you just transfer jobs. God's getting you from one place to the next place. It's going to be a perfect fit. Some of you, you're, you're, you're like about to retire and God's going to just shift this place. It's going to be beautiful. And you're going to be able to get more involved in ministry than you've ever been your whole life. It's going to be beautiful. Right place. And when you're in the right place, you plant in the right soil. And when you're in the right soil, you know what happens next? You get the right seeds. And when you have the right seeds, we're talking about next week, you start to multiply. Amen. Would you stand your feet? Stand your feet. I covered a lot of ground. Hopefully, hopefully get the Lord. How many would say there's something you said that I feel like I need to step into?
How many believe there's a problem you want to invite God into? Would you raise your hands all over here today? How many believe that God has a solution today to one of those problems? Lift your hands. Who feels like there's some people that God wants to connect you to this week? There's someone else in here, you're like, Mark, there's some place. I'm not in the right place yet. Who's believing to be planted in the right place? I was praying, and God said two things that were crazy. He said, Mark, pray that I would heal everyone that shows up tomorrow. Never heard him say that before. Second crazy thing, he said this. He goes, Mark, pray that people that have never owned a home would, would actually have the faith to own a home. And uh, I, I'm telling you, the next three weeks are very, very significant. So make sure you're here. I want to pray for you right now. Just pray this prayer. Put your hand on your heart right now. If your spouse is next to you, would you grab their hand? If you're by yourself, put your hand on your heart. If you're single, wave like a crazy person. Look around. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Found them. Um, no. Hand on your heart. Today. Just pray this prayer. Just say, Holy Spirit, I want to be your disciple. You feel like God wants to put a love for his word in your heart. I'm done talking to the devil about my problems, complaining about how screwed up California is. I'm done complaining about why God can't bless us, why we can't afford to live here, why we can't afford to do something great, why God loves everybody else but not us. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm ready to invite God into my problems. Come on, that's you. Say, God, I'm inviting you in today. Just lift your hands right now. I pray faith to come right now. If you have a, if you have a need for a solution, I want you right now to raise your hands. Right now, just raise your hands all over, all over, all over. If you're here and you're believing God for some divine connections, mentors, business associates, right networks of people, iron sharpens iron. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. He's, he who is a companion of fools becomes a fool. God, get me around the right people. Some of you need a friendoscopy. Get rid of the, jo the Jonas in your life. Get them out of my boat. In Jesus' name. You're here, you go, Mark, I want to I wanna get in the right place. Come on, just give God a wave offering. God, I give you permission. Move me. Remove, move, inspire, direct, correct. Have your way in Jesus' name. Have your way in Jesus' name. And lastly, you go, Mark, I want to be planted in the right place, and I want to have his seed. I want a love for the word of God. If you want to have a new love for God's word, just come on, just give him a wave offering right now. I want to challenge you. If you've never read this book, or you don't read it very often, here's your homework this week. I want you to wake up before you read a, a Instagram, before you get on any social media, the newspaper, the television. I, I dare you, read at least one or two chapters every morning. Maybe make a decision. I'm going to text my wife or my husband or my friend my favorite verse from my Bible reading time. What would happen if we started just sending scripture every morning? I have four or five, five, five text threads with about 85 people in them. I've been texting them a daily Bible verse for the last 13 years. I do it every morning. Some were NFL football players that I pastored when I was a chaplain. I still send them verses every day. Some are in our church. How many think it would be a good idea if we start reading the Bible every day? Build up our faith. Come on, give God a good hand clap today. I feel like he's, he's going to do it. He's going to multiply it. He's going he's gonna to breathe. He's going to stir. He's going to move. He's here. He's here. He's here. Slip your hands all over this place. Just pray this with your own mouth. Just say, Holy Spirit, today I come and I invite you into every part of my life. I call darkness, darkness. 
I call light, light. I call good, good. And evil, evil. Lord, today, I turn to you. Evict darkness. Evict discouragement. Anything demonic. Sickness or disease. Heal. Move. Redeem. Restore. Today. In Jesus' name. What are you doing, Mark? I'm trying to teach you how to pray. This is how we pray. If you're here today and need healing in your body, just lift your hands right now. I heard God say, ask me that I would heal everybody that shows up today. It said everybody that touched him was healed. He showed up and everyone they brought was healed. I'm praying this will be a season, the next four weeks, that everyone that shows up gets healed. If you need to get free from something, raise your hand. Need a desperate touch from God, raise your hand. Healing in your body, raise your hand. Want to get pregnant, raise your hand. Whatever it is, need a miracle, raise your hand. Someone's hands up next to you right now. Come on, it does make you weird, makes you honest. Makes you honest. Put your hand on someone next to you right now. If their hand's up, come on, lay, lay your hand on somebody next to you. Lay your hand on their shoulder. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Pray this prayer in faith. Say, Jesus, today we believe you are a miracle working. God, Holy Spirit, fill them up. Top of their head, soles of their feet. Do what only you could do. We pray life, strength, Miracle reports. Miracle reports. In Jesus' name. How many here today are believing God for a solution in your business? Or believing God for a house? Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Believing God for a house. Believing God for a house. Lift your hand. Someone next to you, you got faith. Come on, put your hand on someone that next to you. Come on, put your hand on someone next to you. We're praying for houses today. I'm, I'm praying for miracle homes. God, give us authority here. We're gonna we're gonna get jobs and better jobs. We're going to innovate and entrepreneur. God, you're going to create. You're going to, you're going to give us strategies, inventions, witty ideas. You're going to give us favor, right place, right time, right situation. I'm asking, Lord, for homes. I'm asking that we would put down roots. I pray that our kids will be planted like oak trees. I pray that you give us authority in Orange County, that we would not be renters, but we would be owners, that we would not be borrowers, but we would be lenders, that we would be the head and not the tail, that we'd be above and not beneath, that you would bless us, that we would be a blessing in Jesus' name. If your hands on someone, say, we bless you. God, answer their prayer. God, we ask for a home. Give them roots, miracles signs, wonders, right place, right time, right people, right place, in Jesus' name. You receive it, Ocean's Church. Say a good amen. Can we give God a good hand clap today? I'm finished. Grab a seat. I'm going to have the, come up just a second. I want to say one last thing. I know this is long, but maybe, I think, maybe, just maybe, someone's life for eternity could be impacted by what we did here today. Last thing I want to do, um, uh, I'm actually, I, I didn't give a chance yet. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want to pray a quick prayer for you. And then, uh, this is really cool. This week, we do something once a year. How often? This is, this is a true story. Just once a year. We don't do it twice, three times, four times, once a year. And it's probably one of the most significant things we do as a church. It is a full-blown deep dive. We call it free dive. There's no water involved. But this Friday... It'll be in the evening, Friday. I think it starts at like 5 or 6 o'clock on Friday. What's that? Check-in is at 5.30. You can sign up on our app or on, on our website. 
It's only $30. It's Friday night and it's Saturday. You got to come to both days. It's not, it's not like one or the other. It's both. We're going to go through your whole life. We're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. We're going to talk about the prodigal son. We're going to talk about every door you opened up in your adolescence, teenage years. You're going to repent of sins you didn't know you committed. You're going to leave this place so clean, you're going to feel light. And I promise you, who has been through a free dive at Ocean Search last year changed your life? Would you make a noise just so these people know it's good? It's legit. I would love it if everyone would do it. Mark, I did it last year. Well, I, for some of you, I, I'd encourage you to do it more once. I do it two times every year. I've done it two times every year for the last 20 years, 20-something years. So I've done it like 40 times at least. And as I've taught it and as I've been in it, I've always left more like Jesus. I want to invite you. Invest in yourself. $30 doesn't even really, it just that's for like childcare and snacks. So we're not doing this to make money. We're doing this to make a difference in our church. It's one of the greatest things you can invest in. So I really want to encourage you. I don't care if you're a leader, you brand new to church, you've been to church your whole life. I promise you, Friday and Saturday are going to be holy. And, and we're going to go through this together. It's going to be so powerful. So it's going to be inner healing. It's going to be, it's not weird. It's not, I know there's things out there that are like kind of out there. I promise you, I don't sell you anything that I don't smoke myself. Come on, somebody. So this is not weird. It's, it's going to be good for you. You're going to appreciate it. It's going to bless you. Bless your marriage. We have plans. We do this once a year. You can change your plans. Change your plans. So Friday night, Saturday morning. Last thing I do, I'll give it over. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, you go, Mark, today, I believe is the beginning of a new chapter of my life. I want to live for God the rest of my life. Not 10%, not 50%. I want to give God every square foot of my life. Every eye closed just for a second. I know I'm out of time. This is long. It's 119. Dear God, I'm hungry. Let's do this. You're here today. You say, Mark, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand all over? I don't ever want to stop without doing this. There was 13 last service. There's, I think there's even more in this service. Go ahead and raise your hand real high. No, I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise it up. No one's looking. Eyes closed. Eyes closed. I'll give you three seconds to raise your hand. Just keep it up. One. Thank you. More hands. Two. More hands. Just real high. I want to get right with God today. Three. That's me. That's me. Heart's beating out of my chest. Three. Real high. Keep it up just for a second. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Anybody else? Nine. Thank you. Uh, Ten. Yep. Thank you. Eleven. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Eleven. Anybody else? Awesome. 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 So cool. Uh, you, you're over here. You got the cool hair side. Yeah, you're like, yeah, just, yeah, 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 that's you, yeah, yeah. What's your name? Sophia, just put your hand on your heart. I just thank you, Lord, that today I felt like God is just like, almost like a dry erase board. He's wiping away the, the just like pain trauma, this last stage of life. And uh, I believe the next 40 years of your life, you're going to watch. God's going to redeem things from your childhood things with your dad. There's going to be so so many cool things that God does. There's even something like really cool, I think, with like a business or some sort of creative idea, like entrepreneur type of uh, uh, endeavor. And God's just so proud of you for being here today, for not giving up. And I heard him say, because you've honored me, I honor you in front of this crowd today. You watch how I pour out blessing that would not be room enough to contain. There's a wisdom on you. There's a favor on you for the wisdom of Solomon to govern her business, govern her family, govern her life, write a redemptive story that would inspire everyone in her family. I believe your whole household's coming home. I don't know if your parents serve God or not, but I just pray that no one would leave the earth in your family 
until they're right with God. In Jesus' name. Hey, can we pray this prayer of those people, those 11 or 12, just say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. I ask you, forgive me, heal me, wash me, and direct my steps. I ask you for a great church, a love for the Bible, and friends, dare I say small group, that know you better than I do, that can mentor me. In Jesus' name.